You're listening to the Packernet Podcast Network. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. It's time to talk about the Green Bay Packers. This is your Packers Update, the Daily Cheese, brought to you by Packernet.com. The Daily Cheese is a collaboration with the Packernet Podcast, produced by the Pack Daddy, Ryan Schlipp, and I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. You can follow me on Twitter, at J.J. Leahy, to stay up to date on all things Packers or to submit questions. So the Preston Smith rumors are starting to heat up. Very interesting, because what the Packers decide to do with Preston is the biggest question in my mind that we have yet to answer, and that answer is going to have to come within the next week. Well, to be precise, in the next eight days. In that time span, the Packers need to figure out how to save $11.426 million. Today, Albert Breer, senior NFL reporter for the Monday Morning Quarterback, wrote an article on Sports Illustrated listing Preston Smith as one of the names he has heard tossed around in trade proposals among NFL teams. Here's a little backdrop to the Preston Smith name drop. Nine teams are over the cap, and four of those are over $20 million over the cap. And another five on top of that have less than $10 million in salary cap wiggle room, which means nearly half the league is somewhere between financially handcuffed and totally screwed, per Albert Breer. Even if the TV deals get done and provide some relief, he says, and that's the hope of many, most of the deals won't kick in until 2023, which means the union, the NFL Players Association, would still have to negotiate the NFL borrowing against future years to fund this year's cap. Now, in case it's unclear, the NFL has already done so, and the borrowing they have done is going to be spread out over the next several years. That money, by the way, came directly from the pockets of the NFL owners. The Players Union negotiated with the NFL and asked for them to dip into their own pockets and provide some financial relief to alleviate some of the COVID cap hit, but that money will have to be paid back to the owners in the form of a lower salary cap over the next few years. Confused how this works? Well, the Players Union has negotiated with the NFL and agreed that 49% of the entire earnings of the NFL should go to the players and 51% go to the owners. Each year, that 49% is divided up equally between 32 teams, and that is the salary cap for the next year. So, due to COVID causing the NFL to lose a lot of money this year, the deal that was struck between the players' union and the NFL owners is that the owners would take a significantly lower share in 2021 then they would get a little higher share over the next several seasons to make up for what they lost in 2021. Now, a lot of folks are calling for the NFL to significantly increase how much of a percentage they are giving to the players this year, so their favorite teams, such as the Packers, will not be struggling quite so much to get under the new salary cap. couple problems with that. First, we don't know for sure that COVID is not going to impact the NFL again this year. In fact, as we stand right now, it looks increasingly likely that COVID will still be an issue in 2021. Brian Gutekunz alluded to this last week in his press conference, saying that the organization hopes but does not know whether they will be able to have any sort of an offseason program this year. 
And obviously, if you can't even have an offseason program, the odds that you can have full NFL stadiums, eh, not that good. Now, as Albert Breer mentioned, there was hopes before the COVID situation came on that the new TV deals were going to drastically increase how much the cap goes up. That having been said, 2023 is the earliest that most of these new deals would kick in and start bringing in new cash. As of this moment right now, the Green Bay Packers have the least cap space of the entire league in 2022. So slow your roll a little bit in suggesting that the Packers borrow against next year to help pay for this year. They're in a worse position next year. Last Tuesday, General Manager Brian Gutekunst spoke to Ryan Wood of the Green Bay Press-Gazette, saying Preston has played a lot of really good football for us, and certainly we'd like to have him back next year. He's under contract, so we certainly expect him to be back. Ryan Wood asked Goody about Preston's pass rush receding last season, and Goody noted that the same thing happened before signing with the Packers, where Smith's numbers would spike and dip at Washington. Per Ryan Wood, Gudikins didn't sound like a GM who is soured on Smith's future. Quote, While those numbers might have been down, I think he affected our football team in a very positive way. So I think there are some things between the numbers there that his value doesn't always show. He's kind of been that way all his career. If you go back to Washington, his sack numbers were always a little bit up and down, but the way he affected the game with his length, not only as a pass defender, but in the run game as well, he's a really good player for us, and he's got a lot of good years left, that's for sure. As my co-host Gil Martin noted on Packers Talk's No Huddle Radio, catch us every Friday morning, historically, Preston is very good every other year. He happens to be very good on the odd-numbered years and pretty bad on the even-numbered years. So is Preston really worth keeping for $16 million, or is Goody playing games here, trying to drive out the price and interest in Preston Smith? Obviously, we don't know, but it's worth speculating about. Good edge rushers are hard to find. Per ESPN's Mike Clay, here are the teams with the biggest need of edge rushers, starting with the Ravens, followed by the Jets, Falcons, Rams, Texans, Colts, Titans, Bengals, Giants, Patriots, Buccaneers, Chiefs, Seahawks, and Raiders. Additionally, the Draft Network calculates that these following teams likely has edge rusher in the top five priorities in the draft. 49ers, Bills, Broncos, Browns, Buccaneers, Cardinals, Chargers, Cowboys, Dolphins, and Saints. So if you've been counting at home, that leaves just eight teams, including the Packers, who don't need some help at edge rusher, 14 of which have little to no edge rushers at all. So is there a team out there that would be willing to trade for Preston Smith in order to pay him $16.5 million a year for two years? Well, here are the top free agent edge rushers out there. Matt Judon has the current highest average per year salary at 16.8. Melvin Ingram is 16. So right off the bat, Preston would be the second highest paid guy here. After that would be Steelers' Bud Dupree at 15.8. The Steelers have already indicated they have every intention of bringing Bud Dupree back, however. Shaquille Barrett was making 15.8, Carlos Dunlap, who was just released by the Seahawks, is at 13.5, Jadevian Clowney, 13, Yannick Ngakwe, 12, Ryan Kerrigan, 11.5. Already, we are kind of around the range where Preston Smith's talent level probably lies. Justin Houston, 11.5, Olivier Vernon, 11, Leonard Floyd, 10, Trent Murphy, 7.5, and after that, mostly a bunch of guys you've never heard of except for Stephen Weatherly and Everson Griffin, both at $6 million. However, that is what their average per year salary was on their previous contract, not what they're looking for on the free market. Now, some of these teams undoubtedly will be looking to the draft to stock up at edge rusher, but certainly not all 24 teams that need edge help will be finding their talent in the draft. 
So there you go. That's the lay of the land on Preston Smith. To me, moving on from him makes a lot of sense. Made possible by drafting Rashawn Gary with the 12th overall pick in 2019. Per Tom Pelissero, Corey Lindsley is one of the top offensive linemen expected to get a, quote, monster deal in free agency this year. What exactly does monster deal look like? Well, currently eight different centers make $10 million or more per year on their deals. Lindsley made $8.5 million per year on his last deal with the Packers. Currently, Ryan Kelly of the Indianapolis Colts has the most expensive contract at $12.4 million per year, which includes $25 million fully guaranteed. There's not a lot of competition out there at offensive linemen, especially now that the Carolina Panthers have indicated they plan to franchise tag Taylor Moten, and Washington appears to intend to franchise tag guard Brandon Scherf again. So the biggest names out there right now on offensive line? Well, Corey Lindsley was an all-pro center last season. He's only 29 years old. Joe Thune is 28. He played on the franchise tag for the Patriots last season. And Trent Williams is still playing at an elite level at age 32. Now, the Packers are probably not bringing Corey Lindsley back. Lindsley himself has said that he does not anticipate being back in Green Bay and that the Packers have not been in touch with his agent at all about getting a new deal done. So why should we care? Well, the better deal he signs, the better the compensatory pick is that the Packers could get for him next year. If he signs the kind of contract we're expecting, maybe the Packers could get as high as a third round pick for the All-Pro Center. Remember, this year, the Packers are going to get three compensatory picks for the players they lost last year. They're going to get a fourth-round pick for Blake Martinez, a fifth-round pick for Brian Balaga, and a sixth-round pick for Kyler Fackrell. Last item, the Tennessee Titans are not tendering wide receiver-slash-returner Khalif Raymond. He was a top-ten punt returner last year. Now he's a free agent. Would the Packers consider picking him up? It's possible. He does not add very much on offense, however. PFF gives him less than a 55 grade overall. He had 16 targets in 2020, only caught nine of those. He had 187 receiving yards. He had one rushing attempt for minus three yards. For a guy who was drafted in 2016, I kind of would like to see a little bit more from him. I don't have access to his run blocking grade. That might be a good question for Ryan on the Packernet podcast. Still, no question the Packers could use some significant help at the returner position. Tyler Irvin came in and looked really good in the second half of 2019. He was not that special in 2020 and also missed a ton of time due to injury. He's also a free agent. What we've seen so far of Tavon Austin and Malik Taylor at returner, I would just say yuck, no thank you. But there you go, Khalif Raymond, that's a name that you can be on lookout for. That does it for today. For more in-depth analysis and a look at Packers strategy, make sure you're subscribed to the Packernet podcast hosted by the Pack Daddy, Ryan Schlipp. Keep up on all the Green Bay Packers news by going to packernet.com and join the Packernet podcast Facebook group. Please go to packdraft.com newsletter and sign up for our free weekly newsletter that goes out every Saturday morning. It's very good. Also check out No Huddle Radio on packerstalk.com for a different deep dive every Friday morning. My name is JJ Leahy, and this has been The Daily Cheese, your Green Bay Packers news update.